So what I wanted to gift you today is a, a really important message titled, Rhythms of a Healthy Soul. Rhythms of a Healthy Soul. Life is made up of rhythm. We have 24 hours in a day. We have seven days in a week, 30 to 31 or 28 days in a month, 365 days in a year. All these rhythmic things that set up our life. Some of us who are addicted to our rhythmic routine of our day know that, man, if I, we get out of that rhythm of our routine, things get messed up. Don't talk to us for a little while, all right? I was glad Pastor Joe prayed for Carline at schools because the first day of school at Shepherd's, Shepherd's School, I was stuck in Carline for almost an hour just sitting there. And, and I know I've got a local city church bumper sticker on the back of my car, so I can't be saying anything, no gestures from me right now. And if I receive a gesture, I have to just receive it with a smile, and it's okay. You go first. Yes, I, I, we're trying to obey the one car pass rule, but you are just being, okay, it's okay, go ahead because I know if they see that bumper sticker and they're like, man, that guy was a jerk. I'm never going to that church. And then they realize it's the pastor. Oh, heck no, right? So you got, you know, that's why if you do put one of those on your car, be nice, all right? It's a good accountability check as well. But when those rhythms get interrupted, when we're delayed or we're late or whatever it is, things begin to get unhealthy. Things begin to get messed up. Well, I want to lead you into understanding that the gift of rhythm in a healthy soul are gifts from God, that he's aligned for us. And here's what it says, if you open your notes, it says this in Matthew 16, 26, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Think about that today, if it's your first time at church in a while, I want you to know the Son of God gave his life for you and he conquered death for you in three days not for any sort of earthly success or striving or working hard, but so that your soul could be saved. So at the core of who you are, can know that you're welcomed, you're accepted, and you're a son and daughter in the family of your heavenly father. And the closest friend you could ask for, Jesus brought you in to that relationship. So it doesn't matter if we gain anything else, but if we lose our soul, why does it, it's not a secret that some of the people that deal with the most anxiety or take their own life are some of the richest and most powerful and famous people in the world. Why does that happen? Because it doesn't matter if you gain everything, if you lose your soul, that's it. Because here's why, I write this down for me. It's because our soul is central to our existence and a healthy soul is paramount to a happy life. Can I encourage you today? God, your happiness and joy is important to God. He wants you to enjoy this life that he created for you, that he's gifted you with. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit today, but where it all starts is finding that healthy rhythm that influences a healthy soul. And, and here's why that's so important. There's a guy in the, in, in the Bible by the name of David who wrote one of the biggest books, the biggest book in the Bible. He wrote the majority of it. That's the book of Psalms. It's all about worship, what we did this morning about worship and praise to God. Here's what he says in one of my favorite chapters, Psalm 63. It says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer because you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. It's interesting, I've heard it said before, the most intense frustration or pain that we can feel is when we have strived our whole life for that one thing. And then we finally get it and that emptiness is still there. 
that void is still there. Because what does David say? It says, my soul thirsts for you, God. That hole in my heart, that hole in my soul can only be filled by you. Our son Shepard loves puzzles, and sometimes he gets super frustrated that a puzzle piece won't fit. And I have to tell him, hey, buddy, it's because that piece doesn't fit. It doesn't go there. So no matter how much you slam it down or twist it, it's never going to fit. And he gets frustrated, and he gets upset, and we have to do whatever it takes to calm down so a tantrum doesn't happen and toys go everywhere, right? Parents know what I'm talking about. And the thing, I think the same, same thing happens to us. We're slamming that piece in that empty hole. We're, we're slamming it, trying to turn it, and it's just not fitting. And God's like, hey, take a deep breath. And would you just trust me so I can give you the information you need and give you the invitation that is available to you to simply place my son Jesus in that emptiness. And he'll fill you up because that's what our soul thirsts for. Before we pray and really jump into the heart of this, I wanted to give you kind of something really healthy for us, a quote from a guy named Dallas Willard. He's a pastor, and he says this, what is running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. If your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. If your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. I'm going to read that one more time because it's really good. If your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. If your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. The beauty of this quote is understanding that it's not about what's happening around me. It's about what's happening inside me, the health of my soul. That's the importance. That's the needed importance of this message today. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we jump in to our message today? Father, I'm so thankful for everybody here on Friends and Family Sunday. It's good to have fun in church and enjoy being with each other. And Father, I pray right now, over these next few minutes, we would do two things. We would listen to what the conversation is all about. And we would lean in and how it applies to us and how it's speaking to us today. God, I'm so thankful for the people who braved the rain today to be in your house, and I pray that you would fill them up. God, I'm so thankful for a packed local city kids this morning. I pray that you would love on our next generation of kids, that they would fall in love with Jesus and have fun in church and know, God, that you have something special for their life. Be with our teachers and everybody back there. It's gonna be a great day. We're excited for you, Lord. We're excited for what you're doing in our lives. We're praying and believing, God, you're gonna do something special this morning in us too. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus, once, in Jesus' name, once again, we all say, come on, give me a good amen if you're ready. And if one more time, you can give me a good shout and cheer and welcome everybody that's watching for Local City Church Online. Come on, give them a shout. So excited that you guys are with us. You stayed home because of the rain. That's okay. We still love you, and you're part of the family today. You're in the house with us wherever you're watching from. Let us know in the comment section where you're watching from. we got some hosts ready to talk to you and connect with you. So why is this so important? Why is rhythm and a healthy soul so important? Well, because there are things in life that happen to us that are uncontrollable. I saw this picture the other day and I thought it was really, really related to kind of where the message is going today. This little, this little person had something interesting happen in there with their car. It says, someone crashed my parked car and drove away. The impact pushed my car up on the sidewalk and they gave me a ticket for parking there. I mean, come on, just the worst of the worst, right? Like, it's one thing to walk out to a fender bender, but then it's like, I don't, there's, there's nothing more 
frustrating than a parking ticket. I don't know what it is. Just something gets me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I got like 20 parking tickets when I was in college because I just wanted to park close to my dorm even though I wasn't supposed to. I was like, ah, it's okay. But $20 a ticket adds up when you get like 20 of them in a semester. But it's one of those things that life sends you uninterrupted or interrupting things that mess us up, right? I remember when it comes to rhythm, we could take that off because I don't want anyone to get angry or getting triggered by maybe something that happened to them. Um, I remember when I was learning to play guitar when I was in middle school, uh, I had a lot of mistakes that would happen when I would try to learn how to play guitar. I remember I was gifted a little like starter pack from the music store on my birthday, and I had never played guitar before. And so I was like, I don't need that learning book. I'll just, I'll just go for it on my own, right? And so I got the tuner out that was in the little starter pack and the acoustic I was playing it. And I thought I had never played a guitar before. I thought that you had to tune the string all to the same note. And so I was like tuning all the strings to the same note. And I was like, man, this is getting really tight. This doesn't seem like it's correct. And then I would play the chords that were listed in the book and it would sound absolutely horrible. And I'd be like, what is going on? And I, okay, maybe I do need to trust the book a little bit more. Open to page one and realize the tuning is not all the same note. Each string has its own separate note. So when you play the chords, they all work melodically together and it's really nice. But one of the things I quickly learned is I wasn't going to be able to be what I dreamt I could be as a musician right? Like I wanted to be the guy with the flippy hair. Already I have frizzy hair, so I wasn't going to be able to do that. This was back in the emo days. If you guys grew up in the early 2000s of like sad, emotional music. Um, and I was like, Man, I'm going to write these beautiful songs that are going to make people cry. I'm going to write them on napkins. You know, it's going to be so great. And uh, I, I quickly realized that not only was I physically not the look, but I had no rhythm when it came to playing and singing at the same time. Like I could play the guitar and I played in church and all that, but playing and singing was like so difficult. So when like the guys up here on stage do it, I'm like, wow, because I couldn't figure it out because I realized I had no internal rhythm, right? And so I tried to fix that by getting one of these things, which is called a metronome, if you ever use one of these. Now this is a very important tool when it comes to music, but it's also an extremely boring tool because all you do is you just set it up and it just clicks back and forth like that. Now, for some of us, this is like water torture. Uh, this would be like, you're, please don't let that go all day, which I'm not going to. But you have to use a metronome because it keeps you speaking in the time that it's clicking, right? Actually, I, I got some coaching in my speaking, and one of the guys said, hey, you should practice with a metronome so you speak at a shorter pace because you speak really fast. And so I've been trying to practice with this, but here's the importance of that. I could speak loud or speak quiet, but if I stay paying attention to the clicking rhythmic beat of this metronome, I never get lost. I never get away from the path that I'm on. I am constantly brought back to what is drive, what's the driving force, what's the foundation for where I'm going. Don't worry, I'm stopping it if you're like, please, Pastor Ryan, stop that. But I think what I want to gift you today is a spiritual metronome for your life, a spiritual metronome for your soul. I want to give you five clicks of the metronome today, and it starts in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, which says this, then the Lord God formed the man man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Just got to remind you, this all started with God. Before God, we were just dust of the earth. And to combat maybe a, a popular belief in the world today is that God is not far away. And God is not afraid of the mess of our life sometimes, the mistakes and the dirt and all that. He gets down in the dirt and forms something beautiful out of it. He formed you and me out of the dust of the ground. Then he breathed life into that pile of dust. Without the breath of God, we would still just be a pile of dust on the ground. So it all started with God. Everything that we have comes from him. 
So I think it's really important that we lean in to what he has to say. I just believe in God so much. I've trusted him with my life and he's never let me down. There have been times where I felt like he was distant or I, he's done things in the way I wouldn't do them, but man, God knows better than me. And God knows way better than me when it comes to my own limited understanding of this life because it started with him. And I always have to combat that feeling or that distraction of pride or control in my life and submit to the fact that I'm living on borrowed breath and it's the breath of God what does the breath of God mean? It means that spirit that's inside of us living and filling us up so that we can live courageous and strong and filled up knowing who we really are as sons and daughters, as human beings. It all started with God. And I love what it says in Psalm 84, another verse that the uh, psalmist David writes, says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. That's why we're here today. That's why church is a place where we come and we get filled up because it all started with God and we need that constant reminder. In, the, in our relationship with God and in our life, Sunday is not the end of the week. It's not day seven, it's day one because I want to start from this. I want to start where I'm around my friends and family and our church community, lifting up all hailing King Jesus, being inspired, being encouraged, laughing, having some free coffee, taking a break so my son can be in church for a little while and I can have fun with some people. Then that helps me start the week. And I shout joyfully that I get to be here. And it influences and inspires my soul. Because David says, I long for this. We're longing for that healthy rhythm. We're longing for a healthy soul because it affects everything. So let me give you some things really quick about five rhythms to a healthy soul. The first one is the rhythm of rest. The rhythm of rest. Starting with a good one. Come on, it's good. Not the rhythm of work. Not the rhythm of all this stuff we have to do, but the rhythm of rest. And I'm going to walk through Genesis 2 pretty much this whole morning because it's important to start in the beginning when God started this whole thing. He said, then the Lord God planted a garden in, the, in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. I want you to lean into that last phrase. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. That means that God created this paradise called the Garden of Eden to be enjoyed. A lot, maybe we've grown up with this understanding that church and a relationship with God is something that we have to endure. If we don't do it the right way, then God's upset with us or God's far away or God is not big enough to be patient with our questions, our doubts, or even our pain or problems that we faced in the past. But today I want you to know that God, that the intention that God had in the very beginning of everything, the healthy rhythm for a healthy soul that God, that God established was to create paradise and place us in it so that we could enjoy it, so that we could rest in it. To realize, hey, these trees, this, this paradise, just bask it in. It's beautiful. And also it's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce these delicious things that are going to sustain you. They're going to provide for you. You're going to have everything that you need. Can I encourage you today? God simply maybe wants you to do one thing today. That's take a deep breath and just rest. Even for the rest of this message, don't worry about what you got to do or the lunch plans that you have or the stuff at work this week. Just take a deep breath and rest. Here's why I would love for you to write this down. It's because a restless soul is a soul that thinks it is in control and needs to take care of everything. A rested soul is one surrendered to God. A rested soul is one surrendered to God. 
I think it's so important for us to realize that when I surrender things to God, he can take care of them way better than I can. And what is the first thing? He says a restless soul are, are those times we want to be in control and influence and take care of everything. But that is impossible. No matter how talented or strong or capable we, wa- we are, we cannot take care of everything in our life, and we are not in control. But I know the one who is in control. I know the one who holds the future. I know the one who has conquered sin and death. I know the one who breathed life into me when I was just dust on the ground. So you know what? I'm not going to surrender my life to my own devices because I know how messed up I am sometimes. I'm going to surrender my life in the hands of my loving Heavenly Father. Not because I have to, because I get to. Because I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to rest and be filled up in the presence of God. We start with rest. We start with the rhythm of taking a deep breath and saying, it's not about me. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. And I think one of the most freeing things we can do is to simply rest in God, the rhythm of rest. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, you need to rest a little more. You need to rest a little more. And I would pray that God would give you the wisdom to understand the difference between rest and laziness. That's another message for another time. Uh, But the difference between rest and laziness Rest is being filled up. Lazy is just not doing anything. (laughs) And rest is something that is a gift from God. I mean, rest and the Sabbath that we talk about is for us. Because God realized we can't do this all on our own. We need his filling. We need his strength. Second rhythm, the rhythm of responsibility. Now we get into ones that are important. A little bit more of us taking hold of this, but the rhythm of responsibility. Here's what it says in Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Let me just remind you, friends, family, local city church, responsibility is a good thing. It's a gift from God. See, God did not just place Adam and Eve in the garden to just sit there and enjoy it. He gave them responsibility. He gave them say, hey, this is yours, so steward it well. Adam's job, you know what his first job was? To name all the animals. Adam's a pretty creative guy. There's a lot of weird animal names out there. But he created all of them. I mean, I don't know how you look at a giraffe and be like, yeah, giraffe. I'd be like, a uh, long neck spotted thing with some horns on the top. Like, I'm not good at that kind of stuff, right? But he was, and it was his job, but he took it seriously, named all the species, all the animals, and tended and watched over what was given him. See, for us, I feel like sometimes the reason our frustration and that rhythm, that unhealthy rhythm creeps in is because we're not being responsible with the life that we have. Because we're saying, you know what, when I, ha- when I have this, then I'll be responsible for what God's given me. When I achieve that or finally get there, then I'll be responsible. No, just start today. Start today in being responsible and in being a good steward of your life. Because here's what it says, your soul finds fulfillment, write this down, health and life when you live beyond yourself. Responsible for my family. It's the greatest gift God's ever given me. I feel so fulfilled when I know I'm taking care of my family. I know I'm serving them. I, still, I feel so fulfilled when I know that I've done whatever I could that day to serve my wife, to care for my son, to provide for them, to be responsible for what God's placed in my hands. And I can't complain about external circumstances because I can do that forever and never change and never begin to steward well what's been given me. See, you can, always, you can either make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't do both. 
You can make excuses or make progress. You can't make both. I've been kind of a, uh, sometimes I get in these like, which is why it's good why the 10 days of fasting are coming up. I get in these like segments and rhythms of life where I get really like addicted to YouTube for a little while, like watching old clips. And so one of the things, one of the shows I used to love when Adrian and I first got married was the show Shark Tank. Maybe you guys ever heard of it. It's where like entrepreneurs bring in an invention or a business to a few like sharks who are investors and they kind of pitch what they're doing and they want to get investments for equity in their company. I'm addicted to it because I love when the fights break out. Or I love, for, I love when the people come up, they're like, I want a million dollars for 1% of my company. And they're like, how many sales do you have? None. Okay. Well, come on. We, we got to start there. All right. And you business owners get how crazy that can be. But what I love is, is there was this was one I remember watching a long time ago. It was called the Cycloramic app. What it was, it was this app, uh, my phone's down there, but it was this app that, that I, you could set your iPhone like this, like straight up like this, and they had built out this algorithm that, the, that they had used the vibration of the phone to spin around and take a panoramic picture, like a 360-degree panoramic picture. This was years ago. And they, he got an investment of like $500,000 and a valuation of a few million dollars of the company. Now, the problem was only a few months later, if you remember this, the iPhone changed back to a rounded design of a phone completely messing up the whole technology behind this app because you couldn't set it straight up anymore. It would roll over. And I remember like listening to the story because they do updates, which I love because I love seeing like, okay, what actually happened here? And Mark Cuban was one of the guys who invested in the company. And he said, well, the entrepreneur, the owner of this business, he was a hard worker. He was responsible. And so he realized that he had something special about this technology that he created. And so he got on phone calls and, and shopped his technology around. And eventually he talked to this guy, the CEO of this kind of younger company called Carvana. And they bought all his technology for $35 million. Way more than just a couple million dollars that he was valued for. And it's the, if you ever go on to Carvana, if you bought a car through that, the technology that spins the car around and lets you seize all the angles, that's his technology. I love the fact that this guy could have been like, well, it's all Apple's fault. They ruined my life. They put edges back on. They put curves back on the phone. Thanks, Apple. No, he's like, okay, I couldn't control that. But I can control how I respond to it. I can control how hard I work from this day on. So some of us, it's a gut check for us to say we've been blaming our faults and our mistakes or our current stage of life on everyone else rather than looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I'm responsible for my life. What can I do right now? What can I do right now? Because who knows what phone call is coming? Who knows what opportunity is coming? And I am going to be confident that I'm going to be ready and responsible, and I'm going to be in that healthy rhythm for my soul. Come on, it's good stuff. Come on, let's give an amen to that. It's good. It's a good challenge for us. Three thing, third thing we're going to power through these last few is the rhythm of restraint. One that maybe we don't like to talk about a lot, but it's a gift from God in our healthy soul. It says, the Lord God warned him you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, I look at this, maybe in my more selfish side, and say, well, what's wrong with that one tree? Why can't, what's so special about that tree? Completely missing the fact that the very beginning of the verse says, I can eat from every other tree. God literally says, every tree, whatever you like, apples, bananas, peaches. I don't know what your fruit of choice is, but eat it. You can have it, except for this one tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that one. But as we know, again, if we're parents and we have kids, we realize that's the one that now our focus is drawn to. And it's the very focus that the enemy uses to bring sin into the world. 
Because he tempts them and says, hey, God just wants that for himself. It's the most important one, and God wants it for himself, so you should be able to have it too. Because God knew there is something healthy about rest, there is something healthy about responsibility, but there is also something so healthy as a healthy no. Healthy restraint. It's a temptation, I gotta be honest, I've been following Jesus for a long time, got saved at five years old and I was in timeout in kindergarten because I went to a Baptist private school so I was super afraid I was going to hell as a five-year-old. I was like, I don't wanna go there, Jesus, please save me. You know, it worked, I gave my life to Jesus but I didn't have a relationship with him and so I really began to dive into a relationship with him in my teenage years but I've been following Jesus for a long time and so the temptation now is, I've been following Jesus a long time. I can do, I can I can do that again. I can listen to that, allow some of that music back onto my Spotify playlist. I can get some of that, you know, I can watch that, I can watch that movie. I, I can, I'll be protected. I can, I can lax here. I can relax here a little bit, which is not healthy at all. What I found in my life is it's healthier to keep adding things, keep adding healthy no's of staying away from those things that could distract me, could divide me, could hurt me. Even if it's something that's innocent, man, the enemy loves to use those things. Who would have thought the innocence of a little fruit would bring sin into the world? But it all started with, did God really say? And so I need to realize, man, there's something healthy about restraint. Write this down for me. Freedom within limits keeps our soul protected and secure. That quote, freedom within limits, actually comes from a teacher who did an educational study about different types of classrooms. Which classrooms did it the best? was the ones that were like, sit up straight and tall, tuck in your shirt, you're gonna get smacked with the ruler if your hands aren't straight. That's the school I went to. Uh, luckily, I made it out alive. Or maybe the, the classroom of do whatever you want, woohoo! Well, no learning happens that way. The most effective classrooms are the teachers who lead their classroom with freedom within limits. Hey, let's learn, let's ask questions, let's figure this out, but there are limits to how much you can talk, to interrupting, to being kind, to being patient. And the same thing is with our life. When we follow God, it's not about sit up straight and tall, tuck in your shirt, do all this stuff. No, that's not what God wants. That's control. But it's also not, hey, I love you, do whatever you want, woohoo. No, it's freedom within limits. It's guardrails. That's why there's guardrails on the highway, on the interstate. Because if we happen to fall asleep or get distracted, it turns a head-on collision really much more, could be much more happenstance because the guardrails aren't there anymore. Freedom within limits. Number four, the rhythm of relationship. The rhythm of relationship. This one is pretty self-explanatory, but I want you to lean into it. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I don't know if I have to spend too much time on this one because I think it's very self-explanatory. I think we understand that we cannot do this life alone. But there's a, there's a statement and a quote that I give our church a lot, and I want to give it to you today, is that I don't need just faithful friends. I need faith-filled friends. What does that mean? It means that, honestly, when I'm going through difficult times in my life or I've made mistakes, I don't necessarily need friends who sit around and say, it's okay. You know, it's all right. Because maybe it's not okay. Maybe the decisions I'm making, I need to be checked on. Maybe the decisions I'm making, I need to be healthily confronted on, and I need some faith-filled friends who say, you know what, Ryan, what you're doing is wrong. 
What you're doing is not, and we love you and we care about you so much that we don't want you, we don't want you to run down that dark road. We want to be the blocker that says, no, not anymore, because this is not the life God created for you. This is not the journey that God wants you to go on. You got to stop doing that. You got to get back in church. You got to get back with some healthy friend groups. You got to spend more time with your family. You got to check how you talk and check what you listen to. You got to put your soul back in that healthy rhythm, Ryan. I don't need friends who just validate me. Me. I need friends who want the victory of Jesus in my life. And sometimes I need people who will go to battle, not for me, but with me, so that I don't become my own worst enemy. The quote I want you to write down is, show me your friends and I'll show you the state of your soul. Maybe we just need to look at that. It's honestly, it's one of the reasons why we have this thing called growth track today. Because I know when you get around people that are serving God, following him, that when you get on a team where you're teaching kids in a classroom or up here on stage playing an instrument or singing or welcoming people or making coffee or taking pictures, when you get around people like that, the state of your soul just naturally gets healthier, gets better. That's the invitation today. So I would encourage you, go grab some Kona ice. We'll watch your kids. Come on a growth track. Come hang out with me. I want to tell you about the vision and the why of our church so that you can grow and take your next step. We've got snacks. We can give you whatever you want. We just want you to come and take that next step because it's that one step that's the hardest, but it's the one step that leads us into the filled life that God has for us. Let me give you the last one as we close. And it might be my favorite one, honestly. It's the rhythm of returning. We're in a funny place in our house right now. She's, not, she's backstage, so I can tell the story. Uh, we're in a funny place in our house right now where, you know, we've had baby showers, a lot of gifts brought. And you know, one of the things that my wife loves just as much as parties and baby showers and gifts is getting to return stuff. <laughs> you know, getting to, getting to, she just loves it. She loves to take it back. But she, she says, hey, I need you to go to Target with me. A couple weeks ago, she's like, hey, I need you to go to Target with me. I said, why? She said, well, I've met, I've, and you Target fans probably know this, I, I've met my return limit. And I need, I need another driver's, driver's license to come in because they won't give me any more gift cards to the store. I'm like, can I use any of it? No, no, you got to give it right to me after you get it. And I'm like, <laughs> she's right back there. <laughs> it's one of those things, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. It's okay. And then, you know, maybe I'll sneak one, you know, here and there. <laughs> no, I would never do that because uh, I'm responsible for what's in front of me. Um, but it's the fact that, you know, sometimes I feel like in life, we, f- we get to this point where we think I can't return to God anymore. He's already forgiven me of so much. Or if he knew what's going on up here or what's going on in here, I can't return to God. But you can. You can. It's the rhythm of returning, like returning back to God every day. Maybe today that's the day for you. You've been running your own journey for a long time and you feel that emptiness. Can I encourage you? Return to God today. Here's what it says. The prophet Joel says this. Says, Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, or he is, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. I love this verse because the prophet Joel is reminding us, hey, you don't have to do all this religious stuff. You don't got to get everything under control. That's what the whole phrase, don't tear your clothing, tear your hearts. That means you don't have to do these appearance things and get everything back to normal. Or, you know, I'll come to God when I got my life under control. No, 
That's not what God wants for you at all. He wants you to realize that, man, my heart is broken and I'm just gonna bring those broken pieces to God. I'm gonna return it to him because his love is unfailing and he wants to relent and not punish. He wants to forgive and set free. So every day, or maybe even today, Sunday, August 14th, 2022 is the day you say, I'm returning to God today or I'm turning to God for the first time because I'll close with this statement right here. It's when you return to God You discover he's been facing you all the time. He's never left you. You may feel so far from God and you may be feeling the lies of the enemy tell you right now, you can't turn to God. I know what you were doing yesterday. I know what you were doing last week. I know the abuse and hurt that you walked through. I know how hurt you are by the church. And God is saying, no, that is a lie. I'm standing right here. I've been facing you. I'm ready to show you that you're forgiven and set free. Just turn around, I'm right here. It's the beautiful reaction I see on my son's face when he's scared or feels like I'm distant. When he skins his knee at the playground or at home and he realizes I've run up to him and he just turns around in his pain and his frustration. He's like, Daddy, I'm right here, buddy. I'm right here. And maybe that's the rhythm that you need to reset to today. The rhythm of returning. When you return to God, you discover he's been facing you all the time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we finish?